Yeah, so coaching, quite simply for me, is facilitating the learning, development, and performance of another. Obviously, if you're working on a one-to-one -one basis. If you're working with a team, then it's of others, i.e. a team. And also, I'd ask your audience to think about how do we use coaching to facilitate the learning, development, performance of an organization? And from our world, we call that organizational coaching. But it's about raising awareness. It's about giving individuals an understanding of things they may not have thought of to enable them to play a better game. Welcome to the HR LMD podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, specialist HR recruiters. Now, whether you're listening to this for the first time or the hundredth time, let me just say thank you ever so much for being fans of the show. Please do remember, if you'd be so kind, to share the show with all of your HR and L&D colleagues. If you have a spare moment, it takes just two minutes, please do review the show. And of course, if we can get more people listening, we can collectively really help raise the profile of the HR industry for everyone globally. It is, of course, available on all major podcast channels. So wherever you get your podcasts, please do check it out. There'll be new episodes being released every single double week. Now, today I'm going to introduce a fantastic guest, someone who I think is going to speak to a lot of you because this we're going to really focus today on the world of coaching. Now, this is something that we know is ingrained in the world of HR, which is why I'm delighted to welcome Trayton Vance, who is coaching consultant and strategic advisor, CEO, and founder of the Coaching Focus Group. Now, Coaching Focus, it's coaching-focus.com for those interested, and that link will be in the show notes. They've worked with major brands, including McDonald's, the NHS, Tesco, among others, and they really do help embed high-performance cultures to maximize the potential of human capital. Now, this is something that is absolutely red hot in the world of HR at the moment. This is something we want to get the best out of all of our workforces. So I've invited Chaitan to the show today because his mission is to create sustainable performance cultures by developing and embedding a coaching mindset in client organizations. He views his purpose and his why, and you'll all know that I'm really passionate about the why in this world, as coaching for a better tomorrow. And he achieves this by leading a portfolio of coaching expertise that enables forward-looking organizations. That's the organizations that you, our listener group, are definitely running on a day-to-day -day basis to improve their performance. In practical terms, this means facilitating the learning, development, and performance of individuals, teams, and organizations to enable them to accelerate their change agenda and to play their best game. Now, we know as HR professionals, the impact, effective coaching, and mentoring can have when it comes to enhancing the skills, knowledge, and performance of our workforces. So I hope Trainer Today is going to really help you all understand why coaching is absolutely critical when it comes to harnessing the full power of our employee potential. So Trayton calls his process the coaching focus way. We're going to find out all about that during today's episode. Without further ado, Trayton, welcome to the HR L&D podcast. How are you doing today? 
Very well, Nick. Thank you. And what a great introduction. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here and provide my learning over 20 years to your audience. And I hope they can take some of that and, and utilize it in just exactly, as you say, coaching for a better tomorrow. Absolutely. Now, for those not familiar, as I've mentioned the website already, there are a wealth of resources and links and different guys that are going to help guide you all to becoming better coaches. Well, I'm hoping this episode is going to do the same. Before we deep dive into the world of coaching and mentoring and all the things that, that really help drive a high-performance culture, I'm going to start with the first question I ask all my guests, Chasen, which is this. What do the words human resources mean to you? Well, first of all, i just say it's a great question. And I think the question is, what does it mean to me? I think you can look at it in two ways. Human resources, from my perspective, means people, human beings. The other way you can look at it is it's a resource that we need to manage. And I guess this is the interesting point, that are they people or do we need to manage those people? And this is what I want to sort of outline as we go through here is the approach that we take to human resources where coaching is seen. Great. Well, a great start to the show. Well, let's, let's dive into that then. The big word I'm going to ask just off the bat to make sure we're all kind of following the right guide here. What is coaching? Tell us more. Explain it from, from, from your side. Yeah, so coaching, quite simply for me, is facilitating the learning, development and performance of another. Obviously, if you're working on a one-to-one -one basis, if you're working with a team, then it's of others, i.e. a team. And also, I'd ask your audience to think about how do we use coaching to facilitate the learning, development, performance of an organization? And from our world, we call that organizational coaching. But it's about raising awareness. It's about giving individuals an understanding of things they may not have thought of to enable them to play a better game. Fantastic. And, you know, we often hear, and I've done it in my introduction, so I've already been guilty of this. We often hear coaching and mentoring kind of pulled together in the same kind of sentence. You know, well, I'm a you know, coaching and mentoring professional. But how do those things differ? How is coaching different to mentoring? Two words that get very confused. I think they get confused because both coaching and mentoring use the same skills, you know, the skills of listening, about having an effective conversation, about processing and raising that individual's thinking and knowledge. The big difference between coaching and mentoring is that to mentor somebody, you have to have that knowledge and that expertise in that particular topic, whereas coaching, you don't. I could coach anybody on any topic. I just don't have to have that knowledge. So that's the main difference. The other difference is when you're mentoring, not only will you share your knowledge, but you may also share your network and your contacts that you've grown over the years that you've been specializing, if you like, in that arena. Where coaching, you might do that, but it's not an expectation. So I would say those are the two main differences. It's a really interesting distinction because it actually helps frame my next question, really, which is mm. you mentioned when it comes to coaching, you didn't have to necessarily be a specialist in that particular area. But to, to coach someone, if we're trying to develop a high-performance culture in our workforce, I guess it has to start really with developing a coaching culture first. So if is, is that the case? And, and what is a coaching culture and how can we start that process? Yeah, well, let's start, if I may, just focusing on that question, what is a coaching culture? Right. When I go to a lot of organizations, they ask me, we want to create a coaching culture. A coaching culture, let's just take the word coaching out, a culture takes time to develop. So if we add the word coaching, if you just think about what a coaching culture is, it's a culture where coaching is the way we do things around here. Now what we need to do is unpick that and then slice that and look at it in different ways and think about how do we do coaching? And when I work with a lot of organizations, they ask us to develop coaching by developing a, a skill set, by doing training programs. And that's one way. But actually, if you want to develop a coaching culture, then what you need to do is create a coaching mindset, not just a skill set, 
but a mindset. And, and then that's something where, where the sort of the value that you can get from the culture and from the people in it really starts to aim, provide long-term sustainable performance and change. And I'd love to talk further into that if, if there's time to do so. Well, hopefully there will be. I'm going to pick up on something you just mentioned there. Often when people, you mentioned that people think, you know, they want to embed a coaching culture and you'll start with training programs. But there's also a distinct difference between training and coaching. So what do organizations feel when you say, actually, it's not nearly a, a training session that we need here. This isn't really the journey that I think we need to move on if we want to develop a coaching culture first. Coaching is something slightly different. So how does that process often work when you're working with, especially some of the bigger organizations and the larger brands? That must be a little bit of a shock maybe sometimes. So let, let, again, let's unpick those two words, coaching and training, a bit like we did with the coaching and mentoring, just to understand the differences. When we're training somebody, it assumes they don't have that knowledge. So we are training, giving them that knowledge in a more, usually in a classroom or a group basis. When we're coaching, it's not necessarily assuming that we, they don't have that knowledge, but it's assuming that they haven't got that at the forefront. It's not such, you know, at the forefront of their awareness. So what a good coach will do is ask great questions to bring that knowledge that they may have to the fore. We call that in coaching terms being non-directive. I'm pulling the solution from you, from the thinking, the ideas, the creativity, the innovation that you have. I can also be as a coach, and this is, I think, where it gets confusing around mentoring and, and training, that I can also be directive. So I could give my knowledge, I could give my experience, I could give my wisdom to you, but then I'm pushing my thoughts and ideas. I'm giving you the solution. So, you know, training, mentoring, coaching, these are all words that have differences, but get very, as you quite rightly outlined, get, get a little bit confused within organisations. I think it's you've made a really good, a really good distinction there between the differences. I, I personally have coaching on a regular basis, both oh, through great. my business and through my sporting endeavors. So I've got a sporting coach. But interestingly, if I use that as an example, just listening to what you said there and me unpicking it myself, you're absolutely right. My my sporting coach, for example, isn't making me learn necessarily anything new, but he's making sure he gets the best out of me myself. He's asking me questions all the time. How you know I already have the knowledge, I have the abilities, but I've got to make sure I do them in the right way. And he coaches me to do that. So for me, that distinction was really, really clear. What I loved is coming from a recruitment background as I am, one thing we're seeing at the moment is employees now, more than ever before, they're looking for people to take the time to invest in them. They want to know they've got a career path to success in their business. Success can be defined by many different things, of course, not always progression, it could be salary, it could be a multitude of different things. But what we do know is engagement now, particularly in the world of HR, is absolutely a critical component to business success, critical to retention of employees, also critical to the attraction of new employees. So there's a whole host of different benefits that I think kind of entwined in in getting that kind of culture right within a business. From your perspective then, and sort of taking some of that on board, what values can the HR professionals listening to this, can you help them understand what values they can gain by, by developing a coaching culture a little bit further and, and maybe where that starting point might be to, to, to get them onto that journey? Absolutely. I, I, there's huge amounts of value creating a coaching culture. So let's pick up one word that you use there, engagement. You know, there's some great research, you just go on to gallup.com to show that if you have a higher engaged in employees, then the discretionary behavior and, and outcomes is a lot higher. So there's value straight away. I'm going to come back to, you know, what the engagement piece and how do we create that with coaching. But also what we also get with coaching is we get people to start to think for themselves. We start for them to bring that latent knowledge, that latent understanding to the fore. 
and then give them that clarity and understanding of, of where they can then focus that to create more innovation, more creativity. And if you think about if you had a, an organization that was more engaged and more creative, just think about the value that that would add. Interesting piece here is about the engagement. And he talks about, you know, people have, to be engaged want to have that personal development. Um, and that's, you know, a, a must have now. It's something that organizations need to give to individuals, not just on a group basis, going back to the, the training point, but people are wanting a tailored one-to-one experience for themselves, their careers and for them to grow. They want to feel invested in. That's invested, absolutely invested in because it's, yes, you know, we're seeing the salaries with the cost of living crisis and salaries, I'm sure, will go up. That will be an interesting dynamic to see. But I'm thinking the other thing is, you know, this great resignation where organizations are losing people because people move on. They don't usually move on because there's greater salary. They move on because there's a better salary, but also because the environment in which they're operating, they're not getting what they want from that. So organizations need to think about that. Yeah. And I think what we've seen is a, is a real shift to, you know, the press will call it the great resignation. We call it the great rebalance. I call it the Great Awakening. It's interesting. Oh, We've all got to reframe it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Both of those. Great Awakening. Let's stick with that. You know, Great Awakening for um, employers and employees. Yeah. And what the Awakening is, is that the, the power balance has shifted. The employee now has the power. Absolutely. And in a strange way with coaching, what we're wanting to do is empower individuals. But organizations aren't used to that because they've always had the power and the authority. They, you know, I saw this lovely quote the other day to say the, you know, the war on talent has been won. It's been won by the employee <laughs> because they now have the power and organizations need to think differently, not just with bigger salaries, but the way in which they, they lead, they manage and they develop individuals. So that's where coaching, I think, over, you know, the next two years will be critical for those organizations and HR professionals to develop that type of culture which enables sustainable performance, not just for the individual, but also for the organization. So they'll be around in the next four or five years' time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Some of the things you, you've given me there, trade it's, it's throwing new questions into my mind here. So I hope Great. you don't mind me bringing these no, on the hop, but I've got some things I'd like to just, uh, I guess, explore a little bit further. The first is, someone with your expertise, I mean, you, I invite you to the show because you are absolutely, you know, the, amazing when it comes to coaching you're so so knowledgeable work with some amazing brands and you understand the the intricacies of what a developing a coaching culture is all about however i think there's still a skill gap here it's difficult to immediately assume that hr professionals and leaders are going to be able to embed a, a, a coaching culture without necessarily having the expertise to know how to become great coaches themselves or then how to impart that knowledge elsewhere you also i would say and this is kind of a two-part question really because you're also getting all the software and digital transformation companies and things hitting the space that are telling HR professionals, no, the future is all about empowering people through technology. And actually, I see this as a little bit different. It's about empowering people through coaching, which is, I wouldn't say it's in direct competition, but I think there's some ambiguity there in terms of how they both relate to each other. So I guess my main question is, what are the barriers we need to remove for people or obstacles we need to overcome? depending which way you want to look at it, to enable HR professionals to become better coaches in order for them to really deliver a coaching culture? What are the things that are preventing that from happening? And is technology one of those obstacles? Maybe it's not. I'm just something I thought about in terms of sayings I've seen of enabling people through technology. And I wonder if that's in, a, in, in, in competition a little. 
Yeah, I think um, well, one thing we've got to remember is that we've got the, you know, the fourth industrial revolution going on Absolutely. with digital yeah. and AI, and how will that impact the way in which we connect? You know, take away COVID and lockdown and hybrid ways of working, which I still think HR community are struggling to work out the best practice for hybrid ways of working. For sure. So some of the barriers, I think it's, and this might not land comfortable for your audience, but I think it's a lack of understanding within the HR world of what coaching is really about and how we can utilize it. So let me give you an example. When I go in to get a brief, a lot of HR directors will tell me who they want coached. And that's fine, but just think about that on the level. That's very tactical. That's targeting an individual or a set group. The question they should be asking is not who, but what needs to be coached within an organization. And, and the sort of mindset shift that the HR community need to do is, is shift to looking at coaching as a strategic resource, because that's what it is. Sure. You know, coaching can change the, as we talked about, can change the culture. It can change the performance. It can create sustainability, agility, innovation, creativity. So just thinking of coaching in that strategic way rather than a tactical training need is the first step, I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually something you've mentioned there in terms of the impact it can have, it can also have an impact on some major HR agendas this year, which is looking at things like inclusivity, ensuring that values and behaviours are being lived within an organisation. I guess this all comes back to the, the overall high performance culture element of a business, which obviously you're linking through, through the, having that through a coaching culture at the same time. With all those things in mind, and when, when is coaching the best development method? <laughs> when is it the best development method i think i i would argue nick that you've gone into a tactical question if i may okay, say no that's fair fine it's looking at coaching is always a development method and we use this very simple model where you know we all as line managers as leaders we wear three hats we wear a hat of a leader a hat of a manager and the hat of a coach yeah the trouble is when we are operating as a line manager we tend to put on and keep on our management hat. So we tend to control, we tend to sort of um, play by the rules and make sure that people play by those rules and keep people to the rules. But actually what we should be doing is getting individuals to come into the workplace. And we're talking about line managers here, but I'll pull on that more and get them to come in with their coaching hat. Look for opportunities where there is a coaching moment, a coachable moment. And it's not only end of the month, end of the week, end of the year for appraisals. It's just having conversations that will build confidence that will build competence within the individual so they're constantly every day playing their best game and being supported in that way you know whether that's informally or, 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 or informally so I think coaching is always there or should always be there it should be part of the DNA it should be part of the infrastructure you know that's how we do things around here going back to that coaching culture Sure. No, that makes that makes sense. So, so utilizing then your expertise while I have you on the show, Trayton, you know, you've got a new client, or maybe I'm an HR professional listening to this, and I'm thinking, actually, this is really resonating. This is what I want to implement. I want to have a coaching culture in our business. Maybe we're 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 we're, we're not in the best position at the minute. At the minute, I want to turn things around. Where's the best place to start, or where would you start? You're going into a new business. Where's the starting point for these HR professionals listening to this who want to make an impactful change? They want to start the journey. Where do we begin? Well, you've answered your question. What's the impactful change I want to make? That, that's where I begin. So where do they want to be? What's the impact they want to have? And then the next phase then is just to understand their context, their reality, because that may not be realistic. You know, when I get briefs that come in and say, want to create a coaching culture, 
then when you talk about the time that may take, the investment that may take, the effort that may take, um, and align that to the chief exec's agenda and what he or she may want to be achieving, it, it, you've got to have a, a, alignment and momentum behind anything where you want to make that impact. So be realistic with that. Has coaching proved to be an effective method for overcoming resistance then? If there is an impactful change I want to make, there's inevitably some resistance somewhere in my organisation. You want to turn that resistance to advocates if you can. Is, is coaching an effective method for, for overcoming resistance? Or have you found that in, in your work? Coaching is absolutely an effective approach for you know minimising the resistance. But I would say position it in helping for organisations, for individuals, to teams to change. Sure. To have those conversations to, I'm sure your audience are aware of the human response to change curve. Yeah. To make sure that they feel supported as they go into that, you know, valley of doom, as I call it, and denial. Um, and helping them find ways of coming out the other side. You know, change is happening all around us. And it's the unknown that makes us uh, nervous. Uh, and yeah. coaching can just help us realize what we can control, what we can't control, and help us find those ways that... Uh, can take what we the, the, that great talent and potential that we have to see how we might reutilize that moving forward in the new world in which we work. But what's interesting, Nick, is that very few organizations use coaching to support and facilitate any change agenda, which goes back to my first point about think about coaching strategically. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Just throw that back at you. I, I think because there's a, a, a lack of understanding about how to use coaching, you know, and we coaching is to a lot of degrees needs people to give ownership and empowerment and responsibility to others. And it's not until now that organizations have realized they have to do that and are doing needing to do it because the power has shifted. So I think it's them wanting to do change or manage change rather than lead and coach change. Hopefully the, uh, the great awakening as we're calling it now has, has enabled yeah. people to realize that they can do that as well, because we've had to put a lot more trust in our employees to, to deliver change from different locations without being micromanaged, you know, in, in, in inverted commas. That must have been a... Yeah, well, this, this is another paradox. And I guess linking into your question about what stops organizations from using coaching and some of the barriers, I would say 90%, if not more of the organizations I go to focus their investment and their time on training and developing line managers to be able to coach, yeah. which is great. So we create this great coaching ability within the organization. But think about it. When that line manager is coaching, they need to be coaching somebody else, i.e. the right language is to use is the coachee. That coachee isn't used to being empowered. That coachee is not used to having to think for themselves. They're used to being told what to do. Yeah. And they're used to being told what to do because you think about it as individuals, we've all come through some form of, you know, our parents are guardians. So our parents used to tell us what to do. When we go to school, our teachers tell us what to do. Then when we go to work, our managers tell us what to do. So we've gone through this process as human beings of being sort of programmed and waiting to be told what to do. Now suddenly the world of work is changing. And as individuals, we want power and we are now being empowered. But strangely and paradoxical, we don't know what to do with that power because yeah. we're usually being told what to do. So the other barrier and sort of, if, if I may give some sort of Please. elements to make sure that people... Uh, think about and utilize coaching the best ways. Don't just focus on coaching and training your coaches. Think about educating and engaging all people within your organization about one, what coaching is about and how they can be a good coachee, how they can be ready, willing, and able to be coached to embrace that. The other way which may help some of your listeners think about this is when we're coaching, we're having a dance. 
And if I was to ask you to dance, Nick, if we were able to, then, you know, you don't know what type of dance we're going to have. You may not even know how to dance. Yeah. So it may feel clumsy and awkward. You might step on my feet. I might step on yours. So what we wanted to do with people to have coaching conversations is make sure that that dance is enjoyable, that it flows and that we want more of it and we build that momentum. So we create this sort of culture of coaching, but also where people are happy to have a really good conversation of dancing because it's enjoyable and it just flows. And, you know, we come to work and we enjoy that dance. Quite interestingly, I don't know why this image came into my head and hopefully it's relevant. Uh, when you mentioned you're asking me to dance, the interesting thing there is, yes, you don't know if I can, but also just because you've asked me to dance doesn't mean I can't lead it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is another thing you can find when you're doing coaching. When you do get the best out of other out of other individuals, you know, that's how we can find out people's potential by asking those questions. You said at the start of the show, coaching is often about asking questions and drawing out of individuals what their capabilities and potential is. So yeah. that was just something that popped into my head when you asked me that. I was thinking, oh, no, yeah. I think it's great. And what you're talking about here is I guess the next stage of what I call the coaching maturity in this utopia where it's not just me as our line manager coaching you, but you as a report can be coaching me as the line manager. Yeah. In fact, all of us can be coaching each other because that's the way we do things around here. Coaching is not hierarchical. And again, that's another mistake that organizations make. We do it to others. Coaching is a way, if it's going to become a coaching culture, that we have conversations like this. It just happens. We dance with each other when we need to because it's enjoyful. You know, it creates creativity and innovation and insight into what we're doing and momentum. That is a coaching culture. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. If I use your word of a utopia, just take it a level further. And you may say, Nick, there are countless examples of this. And you don't have to give the names even unless you, unless you want to. But are there businesses that have really got hold of this and you, in your mind have absolutely embraced a complete coaching culture from the top employee, the entrepreneur, the founder, all the way down to whoever that might be, you know, the, the, the lowest paid or lowest level individual, whichever way you want to make, make that summation. But it's really from every employee in that business they get it. Or is that still something that all businesses are actually still striving to get because it is still a relatively new concept for some? I'd love to give you a long list and say, go and read this case study, this case study. I think there are pockets or there are pockets of brilliance within some organisations. But I I couldn't name one organisation that has across its whole um, employee force has a coaching culture where it just happens. I don't think everybody anybody's reached that utopia. Do you believe that'll come in the future? Um, the way I, that I believe it. I believe it will, and I believe yeah. this is the turning point. Yeah. The other thing we've got to remember is coaching is only sort of thirty years old. <laughs> it's it's not that old, but in where it's been within organisations, it's been around for thousands of years. But coaching as a sort of a corporate pro- used to be training or management. Or yeah, command and control, right? Command and exactly. And where we're needing to now, and, and it's, it's sad that COVID and other things have had to force that, you know, from command and control to connected and collaborative so that we can have those types of conversations. 
and I, that's not a case of organizations would like to it's that they're going to have to move to that way of operating and coaching is a key part of the facilitating that pro- progress I, f- I find it all fascinating well, i'm going to bring it back to sort of the hr and D specifics here then because we know yeah. that we know that hr and D teams they play such a central role in designing and managing coaching and mentoring which we talked about within an organization yeah. How can, if I, call them, if I turn them both as people professionals here, how can people professionals understand when coaching and or mentoring are appropriate and effective interventions, uh, interventions in relation to where there might be other options available? Is there a way of identifying when one or the other might be the best solution for a particular circumstance? Yeah, let, let's be really clear here. You know, obviously we're talking about coaching, but coaching isn't the silver bullet to everything. Sure. And as you mentioned, mentoring, we've mentioned training. There will be times when an organization needs to put training in place because that knowledge doesn't exist. An organization will have a plethora and sort of huge portfolio of experience, knowledge, and wisdom, which you know they need to build, utilize, and focus to those that have less of that. So a good example would be I'm seeing um, a lot of organizations go into mentoring for junior female leaders. Yeah. You know, you know, sadly, there aren't a lot of senior leader, female leaders on board, but when they are, they're mentoring other females in the business to be able to, you know, make that same track and learn from them. So it's areas like that where other elements, mentoring, training can be utilized. Coaching is just one arm, but it's the way that we, how, how we think and utilize coaching, which is the key thing. Well, I think is interesting, certainly from this show and from the books that I read and the sporting people that I follow, you yeah. tend to find that the, the high performers in both business, sport, whatever realm of life that you're working in, they tend to have coaches. You know, the top entrepreneurs in, in, in the world tend to have their own coaches and or mentors, whatever you want to, you know, relationship is but actually in order to achieve that high performance that they do achieve and the things that they do often there's someone behind the scenes supporting them in their own journeys do you think that that, i think that's more recognized now than it used to be but do you think the fact that that is more recognized is helping to bring the power of coaching to the fore so that people are embracing it a little bit more than perhaps they were you know not just pre-pandemic but but just before yeah, absolutely. And I think coaching, I said it's sort of 30 years young, so to speak. Um, coaching got off to a bad start. Coaching was used in a lot of organizations as a way of remedial support. You weren't a good performer. Let's put coaching in to help you. Interesting. I'm, yeah. I, I'm glad now that organizations are using coaching for high potentials for, you know, transition coaching where you, you're being promoted and you get a coach to support you, you know, into that first role. And I'm a great believer, you don't need to be ill to get better. And I'm glad that organizations now are starting to see that and using coaching to really drive the best output that they can from going back to the original question, they're human resource. So, which is great to see. So it's changing. I think there's some organizations still need to learn more about that, but it's positioning in a positive way that, you know, if I want to perform to my best, it will be easier, you know, facilitate the learning development performance to have a coach. You know, I've never heard you don't need to be able to get better. I don't know if that's a well-known phrase. I've done a lot of these shows across two different channels. It's the first time I've heard it. And um, God, I mean, that, that resonates with me. Is that one of yours? Is that something that's well-known out there? It's, 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 it's well, I, if, if it's someone else's and I've read it somewhere, I apologize, but it's certainly we've been using it for a long time. And Fantastic. it's sort of at the heart of, you know, coaching for a better tomorrow. And, yeah. and the nice thing with the phrase coaching for a better tomorrow, better is different from everybody, right? As a coaching business, you know, we wanted to come away from this word performance, although coaching is 
about facilitating the performance. But what we didn't want to do is make the performance focused on, if you like, shareholder value. We didn't want to focus the performance on numbers. We wanted to make it human. Yeah. We wanted to make it something that impacts me as a human being and beyond that to society and, and the, the way in which we operate as, as individuals, not just having a coaching conversation in the workplace, but how we have conversations with everybody, you know, in and out of the workplace. For me, that makes sense because actually the bottom line elements you mentioned will take care of themselves if you get the first bit right. You know, if you've got an engaged workforce, if you've got a workforce that want to work for you, you know, they want to join your company, if you've got a workforce that is retained and you're not having suffering attrition and all those things that go with it, a happy workforce is typically a profitable workforce, you'd like to think. So interestingly, if you start with the profit first, maybe you're starting to look in the wrong place. Well, I'm sure your readers will have read, there's a great book, if they haven't read it, then, then I would certainly you know, advise strongly. You know, the Inner Game of Tennis with Tim Galway, who was the originator of, of taking sports coaching, he was a tennis yeah. coach, into you know, the corporate world. And it's all about coaches working to reduce that interference. If you focus on, if you like, scoring a goal, you go on the pitch focused on scoring a goal, you don't go there focused on playing your best game. And if you can get the individual to go on the pitch and play their focus on playing the best game, lo and behold, they score goals. Yeah. So it's where your attention is. And um, if you don't score a goal at half time, you're going to be worried about that, right? So it creates interference, you know, anxiety, fear of failure, self-doubt, all those things. So, you know, when we train coaches, it's helping them to reduce that interference, not only with their own coaching work, but also helping them to reduce that in their, their coaches. Yeah. And you know what? I'm sure there are HR professionals listening to this now going, mental health, you know, that's a real impact on mental health. This is a bigger part of the HR agenda at the minute, managing employee mental health. And if you've got mental health on, the, on a positive side of things, because you are you know, embedding a good performance culture, a good uh, coaching culture, supportive culture, then obviously that's going to have a, a positive output and positive ramifications on, on mental health as well. It's kind of win, 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 tick, tick, tick. Yeah, and linking mental health with sort of workplace health, you know, the engagement, the coming to work and operating in a joyful and sort of engaging place is, is a win-win-win for everybody, right? So where do we start then? If I'm an HR director listening to this and I want to leverage the power of coaching, what would be the next action you would recommend I took when we finish this podcast? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastic, I'm, I'm proactive, I want, to, I want to make a change. How do I start leveraging the power of coaching? Yeah, so I, I think going back to that question, what, what's keeping my chief exec up at night? Where is it that I can help him or her to really focus a resource, i.e. our people, to facilitate the success of that and use coaching to enable that? You know, so there will be, I'm sure, some business objectives, but certainly looking at research recently, you know, there's how do we use coaching to facilitate hybrid ways of working, making that transition back into the workplace or not, as the case may be? How might we use coaching to facilitate new skills that we're going to be needing? How do we use that? And we talked about, you know, mental health, well-being, you know, workplace health. How do we create employee engagement? And, and how do we utilize coaching to focus on the diversity sort of equity and inclusion elements? And just think about what you're trying to achieve. And then step back from that and say, okay, so if that's what we're trying to achieve, how do we use coaching to achieve that? And usually that will require an element of training, either an internal resource or an external resource to bring that in. And there's pros and cons for both. The nice thing with developing the internal capabilities, you have it there. 
if you bring in externals, then a bit like consultancy, then you may lose that. And, you know, it's not ingrained within that. So there's a way of developing and creating that coaching capability and that skill set as well as the, as the mindset. And then the other thing just to think about is be realistic in the timelines. When you're using coaching, you're addressing some of these things. It's not necessarily quick wins. But believe me, and I hope there's enough case studies out there, if not, they're on our website, that you can see that by doing the coaching effectively in a focused way, enables that great value and, and that return on the investment to come and, and creates a sustainable system, a way, a culture yeah. that will be around for, for longer because people will think for themselves, they'll be more engaged and the whole organisation and society will be healthier in many ways. I think that makes sense. I mean, it's rare that the quick fixes work, right? This is something you've got to invest in. It takes time. You know, as you mentioned, there might be resistance, but eventually to, de- to develop that, that culture. Culture is such, as you say, something that right at the start of the show, culture is something that, that takes time to create, develop, and build. You know, changing your values, changing your mission statement and behaviors uh, written down for your employees doesn't change your culture. You know, it's um, one thing to write them down. It's another thing to live by them and to embody them. So I think absolutely. you're absolutely right. Absolutely yep. right. A couple of questions left before we open the vault, um, Trayton, if I may. The first is, and you've kind of answered this in your last bit, but just in case there's, there's any stones that we haven't quite unturned yet, what role do you think HR and people professionals in particular play in terms of coaching within a business? If you were to say, you know, actually, if you are listening to this and your role is within the people function, actually, yep. this, this falls in your remit. Where, where would that sit? You, you have talked about some of this already with things like values, behaviors, I, and, and equity. And I, I think there are three levels. There's the first thing is, learn how to coach yourself yeah and, and when i talk about coach learn not only how to coach but also be a good coachee know how to be coached and embrace it so that's the first level learn how to coach so before we jump it. to level two just yep. going to focus on that for a moment so i want to learn how to coach does that mean an accredited course does that mean bringing someone in does it mean reading where do we start that foundation yeah there's lots of options Again, when we learn to coach, it's making that shift of my current mindset to a coaching mindset. Yeah, That takes time. Uh, and that time, in that time, you'll need to practice. So I would highly recommend going down some form of accreditation, qualification, not because you need the sort of badge on your swimming suit, but when you do that, you become disciplined and you get the practice and shift from skill set to the mindset. So that, that's critical. And we run our ILM level five programs specifically built for people to become, if you like, internal coaches. The next level is understanding coaching at a strategic, strategic point. So not just to coach it where you're using it tactically and locally, but actually how do I use this to drive real business value? Okay, that, that's the next stage. That's really important as an HR just to understand it. And then the third stage is then about finding those areas within your own business. And as you say, some of the answers I gave last time, you know, what's keeping your chief exec up? What are some of the HR agendas? Utilizing that coaching to really drive those outcomes and address those outcomes. But don't be too overambitious. Don't be too you know, wide. Really focus in on what's the difference I want to make because it will take time for the organization not only to get behind that, but to understand and see the value of it. And just utilizing pilots, you know, just have a small function or a country or wherever that is and just show the value, the difference between doing coaching and not doing coaching. And then you'll soon have people coming around saying, how do you do that? I want to know how yeah. to do that. You know, let, help, help me do that. 
no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you, you put that really nicely in the three different kind of levels that, that, that answer that question perfectly for me, Jason. Thank you. So my last question really is this. We're in a new world post-pandemic. What is the role of coaching in the new world? Where, where is it going to go from here? What should we be looking forward to and expecting? Yeah, well, well, I think what you can expect is to see a lot more coaching or certainly a coaching mindset absolutely being required within organisations to align to that new way of leading. I think you're going to see employees demanding that more tailored approach. You're going to see leaders, um, sorry, individuals wanting and needing that different style rather than being managed to be coached and and led in that way. And I I think you'll be starting to see organisationally and culturally and strategically coaching being used to address all of those things that we've spoken today and, and help people make that transition through you know, this new world, which is here to stay, but the next phase and, you know, change, I hate to say it, but change is the only constant, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Co- coaching is a key part of making sure that people feel confident enough and capable enough to move to that, to that next step or stage, whatever that might be. I think it'd be remiss of me not to ask this question because I've got an absolute expert here. For those, if you're not already convinced, I certainly am here with absolutely embedded in the world of coaching is so knowledgeable, so articulate trade in the subject. What's the question I haven't asked that you think, actually, Nick, your listeners need to know this when it comes to coaching. Or actually, can I just bring something to, if there is anything you want to bring to the fore, I've tried to ask the questions that I hope my listeners want to know the answers to, but I'm sure there's something with your wealth of expertise that maybe at the back of your mind I haven't asked. And I just wonder if you could bring that to the table to make sure we really cover this off. What's well, a good question to ask there. It's not necessarily a question. I, I guess it's just something for your audience to reflect on. You know, I'm sure some of your audience are experienced coaches and they've been doing coaching for a while. Some may not have done anything. What I would say is that um, whether you call it coaching or whether you call it, you know, just having a more effective conversation, just think about the value that it adds, not just to the organization commercially, but to people's lives. And it's not unusual for me to work with a client where they just say thank you. And, you know, what they're saying thank you for is, helping me to realize how brilliant I am. Just helping me to realize the things that I thought I couldn't do, which I now have the confidence to take forward. And it's a bit like Mary Poppins, you know, when you need me, I'll be there to coach you. When, when you don't need me, you go off. And I, I love it when people say that, and then I don't hear from them again, which is brilliant, because I know my job is done and they go away and they will then take that understanding, that new knowledge, and hopefully start to have those types of conversation with others that they lead, manage or, or work with. So it's more I, of an observation than a question. You know what? I think it's a wonderful way to, to sort of close off the, uh, the circle of coaching we've discussed because when you listen to leaders out there and you listen to, you see the successful organizations out there. And I, I listen to, uh, I listen to the high performance podcast regularly, just a bit of a plug for that show. Uh, they had Vex King on there and he was talking about his values that he, that guide him in the work that he does and happy vibes and happy minds. And actually the things you mentioned there show in order to be an effective coach with the things you just highlighted, you have to be caring. You have to be kind. You have to show a level of interest. You have to, you know, you're investing in somebody else and you're actually showing empathy and all those things now, which are, have always been critically important, but have been overlooked, I think, by businesses for a number of years. And actually the pandemic's really brought that into the fore. Employees need that level of engagement for their mental health. They need to show, to know that their company is kind, is caring, is empathetic, is willing to engage, is willing to invest. And I think everything you've mentioned there in that last observation, for me, pulls all of that in, not just to term, in terms of what a business should be doing, but actually the most successful leaders 
in, in, in entrepreneurial spaces now tend to show those qualities as well. A command and control mindset is hopefully been and gone and we've moved on. And actually the, the more caring workplace manager and director or, or coach um, hopefully is the way forward. So actually, I think it was a very relevant observation that um, I think we're seeing more and more in the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. May, may I refine that a little bit more, Nick, because th- there is a danger that we're too caring as coaches, as organizations. And, you know, I think there's a balance of caring and challenging. And For sure. I, I, I sum it up in a way that uh, when I'm working with a client, I like to have tough love because if we're too caring, then we start to sympathize and we start to allow the individual not to bring their full brilliance to the form because they lack that confidence. And, you know, what I like to do is just chuck a little bit of grit into a conversation to move something. And that's what we're talking about with coaching is moving something, moving thinking, moving emotions. So they do something different. And hopefully when they do that different, that leads to better, better tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, rather than just caring, I think it's caring and challenging. I'd sum that up as, Tough love. Uh, yeah, listen, that's what a great coach will do. Couldn't agree more. And absolutely right to pull, pull me up on that because, as we mentioned right at the start of this podcast, about getting the best out of individuals to do that, you've got to ask challenging questions. You know, you've got to make sure that it, come, it can come from within. We've all got it. We've got to make sure we have the yeah. individual to coach it out of us. And that does involve the challenge. So you're absolutely right. And I'm really glad you mentioned that. Certainly, the two coaches I have, both in business and, and sport, they're always making me do uncomfortable uh, challenges, but absolutely yeah. for the hopefully for the betterment of both uh, sport and That's business. Great. But um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Well, so we're going to open the vault. Opening the L and D vault. Four short, sharp questions which hopefully our listeners will enjoy your answers for. The first is this. In hindsight, Trayton, what's the one thing you now know that you'd wish you'd known when you began your career? To realise that I don't have all the answers and just to listen a lot more of brilliant answers. I just let, I need to allow them to, to share them with me. So, yeah, listen more because I don't have all the answers. If you could give one piece of advice to the world, what would it be? Realise it's a long game. Realise that uh, we need to support each other in a way that enables success for everybody to be less selfish and egotistical. Nice. I mean, that's, that's profound. I love that. If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give a younger you who is just starting out in this new world of work? Ah, it's interesting you say that because one of the things we want to do, which is linking into coaching for a better tomorrow, is to create a charity where we go to younger me's in the school place nice to educate them and give the coaching mindset so as they go through their careers or wherever they wish to go to that they're already operating in that way because at the moment we just go in at sort of management c-suite level well what if we hit that value chain if you like an earlier stage and helps kids to have different conversations with each other over lunch or in the playground and then they come into the workplace, they're already doing that. So I guess uh, it would make my business, my role redundant. But hey, that's that's a great thing because it means we're coaching for a better tomorrow. No, fair enough. Love that as well. So last question. What's the guiding principle or behavior you've seen in every great leader? And I know you've worked with many that you've ever worked with. I think you mentioned them. Empathy, uh, understanding, tough love, that challenge plus sort of the caring piece. And people, leaders that make you feel as if you're the only person they're talking to. Yeah. Giving them that sort of, they're they're present for you. 
So leaders that are present, and when you're talking with them, they know you're listening and understanding, empathizing, caring for them, but at the same time, want the best for them. Amazing. Well, Chaitan Barnes, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the HLND podcast today to share your world of coaching and why a coaching culture can be, I guess, so, so valuable to businesses. If you really want to develop high performance, good retention, all the things we've discussed today, you know, it, a lot of it does center around effective coaching. So thank you ever so much for joining me today. And I must just add, for anyone listening to this, please do, whether you're thinking about, you know, utilizing the services Trayton um, offers or not, it's just great as a resource site. So please do go to coaching-focus.com. On there, you'll actually find free workshops. I'm not sure when this will exactly be released, but right now there's a free workshop to help people create a coaching strategy ready for the new world, which is actually delivered by Trayton. There's case studies on there. There's the coaching focus way, which really does build on, on the content Trayton's given to us today. There's executive coaching services, consultancy services, but there's loads of stuff to really get your teeth into here. So if you're passionate about coaching yourself, you want to find out more, please, please do go to coaching-focus.com. It's a resource that I use. It will also be in the show notes. So you can go straight through from this episode and start your own journey towards creating a coaching culture in your business straight after this show ends. So please do go to that URL. And of course, if you are an HR L&D professional listening to this and you need support with an HR, HRIS, L&D or similar related vacancy, then also get in touch with myself or my wonderful team at jjrecruitment.com. You can get us and we can help you with whatever that HR requirement might be, be it temp, contracts or permanent, we're an excellent team and we can help show you what a great HR recruitment experience can feel like. It just leads me to say a huge thank you once again to Trayton Vance for joining me on the HR L&D podcast. I look forward to bringing you the next episode real soon. Thank you, Trayton. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.